time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Kathy. We're kicking off season two of the show. With our new intro. Yeah, what do you think about that? That's great. Our daughter, Sophia, has been working hard on that over the last week or so. Yeah, it's really cool. She learned a, that, like, that software program or whatever to make that happen. So good, yeah. good to her. Yeah, blending all the, the elements of the recordings together is pretty cool. Um, all right, yeah, so season two, this is episode 49 and we want to talk about our base builder program that's coming up and kicking off in a couple of weeks here, and more specifically about the strength training component of the program. Yes, sir. That's a big piece of it. Um, and we've got some new things um, in the oven, so to speak. <laughs> okay, I am not pregnant. Right. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> There's no bun in the oven. Um, Although I've been seeing a lot of announcements on Facebook. Of pregnancies? Yeah, like our friend Danielle in Boulder, Catherine Pendrell. It's like, what are we going to do during quarantine? We're going to make some babies. Yeah. But guys, we are not having <laughs> not a baby. Us. We're yeah. too old. <laughs> um, yeah, so our our new baby is is the at-home version of the strength. Oh, nice segue. Yeah, that was good, huh? Our, the at-home version of the strength program um, that people now with with COVID, but also over the years, people have always asked me like, "Hey, I don't want to go to a gym. I don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable going to a gym. I don't have access to a gym. Whatever, you know? Do you have a home-based version?" And I never had a a great version, I guess, or great answer. It was always just sort of like, "Well, let's just modify the back squat and the deadlift that we like to focus right. in on." And right. and now we're making that happen this year. Yeah, forced um, work, but it, it's really coming to this to fruition. Like everything we've been meaning to do for the last couple of years to make this a better at-home program has happened. So I'm yeah. really excited to talk about it. Yeah, really cool. So we'll run through that. That'll be like the bulk of the show. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about um, essentially we have two versions of the strength program or the mm-hmm. options. So one will be what we're going to call our classic barbell version with the squat, back squat, and the deadlift. Um, among other things, but those are the key movements. And then we'll have our at-home version, which will be incorporating some squatting, some lunging, some other movements for hip hinge and knee extension that doesn't require much equipment. So um, that'll be fun to talk about. But before we do that, um, let's do our what have we kind of been up to segment. Right. It's <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Well, we had our recovery week last week. Yes. that it's, was. We took a whole week we off We took a whole week bike. off the bike. It strangely coincided with a random summer snowstorm, and I will say summer because what, what was it like September 9th? I think it yeah, snowed. Yeah, it worked out perfectly. But yeah, it, it snowed. I think I heard it was the first, like earliest snow on record here in Colorado, definitely the Denver area. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Actually, it was September 8th because September 7th was Labor Day. 
I spent the morning at the pickleball court sweating in a tank top and shorts and ball cap. Yeah. The next morning we woke up to 30 degrees and snow on the ground. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Very weird. And it, it lasted a whole day. like Two days. Thir- yeah, 36 hours or something. And then it yeah. finally warmed back up and we're back to 80 degrees. So super weird. But yeah, it lined up perfectly. We didn't plan to be on our bikes anyway. So we just kind of stayed inside and, and worked on stuff. Well, we <laughs> actually took like old people walks every morning and then That's had, right. uh, had coffee together and talked. And it was great. And then we also lined up a semi-impromptu trip to Indianapolis where you're from to visit your family and your Mm -hmm. sisters back there we kind of did like a three-day weekend thing with that so that's a great way to use your week off or your two Mm -hmm. weeks off you know it's like do some things that you don't normally do so we did a lot of walking like you said and 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 took that trip little mini family trip to visit people um yeah I loved seeing my family and yeah, it was just fun. I have three sisters back home. I have four sisters, but one lives in the Northwest. Three are back home in Indianapolis, and they're really fun to be with, like active and fun. So we had some pickleball family time. Right. I even left a set of paddles and balls with my mom and dad because they, they, they might be getting into it. Yeah. It was really hilarious, <laughs> though, to watch my dad, Mr. Competitive, hog the ball and he was like all over my mom's business, like on her side of the court. And I had to keep yelling, Dad, for God's sakes, let mom hit the ball. <laughs> and you, what, what would you say? Well, yeah, I, I said, I see where you get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the ball hog. You're the yeah. ball hog in the family. No offense. <laughs> no, I am, totally. But it was fun. All in all, we had a great trip. It was really quick. And um, we were grateful to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else have we been up? Oh, just kind of touching on what we mentioned last week. Uh, our fall fundraising for our redevelopment team. We are getting to where we're we're narrowing down our team selection. We have that just about figured out here um, for our we race team or we national team with the UCI focused riders. Um, and then we're also building a nice roster of riders on the we development team, the we Devo team um, of riders from around the country that are going to be training with us following a very similar program to our base builder program through the, the winter months mm-hmm. and then getting them on a race specific program for cross country nationals and stuff. So we are in the midst of that fundraising. Uh, we're going to do a couple different fundraisers over the next six ish months or so. But this first one we mentioned in the last episode is uh, we're going to tie in a, those that donate um, tie in a nice little reward or bonus of the base builder program or the base builder training plan, depending on what level you donate. Um, it's kind of a nice thank you gift of yeah, it's a donating. really nice thank you gift. Yeah, so we'll have two levels. We'll have um, for a thousand dollar donation, uh, you get the base builder training plan, which is worth about two hundred bucks, um, and then at the two thousand dollar level, you get the base builder program, which is a little over six hundred bucks. So. Um, it's a good way to, if you own a a business or you work for a company that donates to 501c3 charities, which Mm -hmm. the weed development team is, um, good way to kind of get your own training out of the the mix there. Well, correct. If you have an employer who is a, they will match donations, you may be able to take advantage of that and like, maybe you want that base builder program worth $600 as as your thank you gift and you could... Donate one thousand dollars, have your employer match it, and then you're at the two thousand dollar match. Yeah, or the mark. So that'd be really helpful for us as a, a team. The parents of the kids would be incredibly grateful. Yeah, 
It's a by cycling and racing is an expensive sport. It is. There's no getting around that. And yeah. and the dollars that do get donated to the We Devo program um, go to the riders in the sense of you know equipment needs, clothing, um, travel, you know um, those sorts of expenses. Condo rentals when we go to a race or a training camp. Right, right. So, so it's a it's a worthy cause helpful. helping build up you know the young American future of of mountain bike racing. Um, so definitely give it a, a consideration. We've had yeah. a few generous donors already take advantage of that. So, um, keep it coming. And then we'll have another one closer to like Thanksgiving time that we'll do something similar, um, that will tie in some clothing. Like when we get our curate kit store open, we'll tie in like a kit reward or different levels of that. And there'll be a few more price point options as well. Awesome. That'd be great. And then the last little bit too is if a thousand dollars is a lot of money to donate, which it is, um, you can go to our website at weightendurance.com and to the We Devo page and there's a PayPal link where you can donate any dollar amount. I mean five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks at any time of the year. Um, if you're interested in, in donating to the team. So yeah. so thanks in advance. We do appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. Uh, well, good. I All think, right, let's uh, talk strength training. Yeah, let's get into it. Our, stre- our strength programming overview for 2021. Um, quickly, before we touch on the specifics, we'll do a quick run through of, you know, why is strength training important, particularly for endurance athletes? Um, we have discussed this before throughout in other podcast episodes. Um, Episodes number two, going way back to the early phase, and um, number five, I do both of those spoke specifically on the benefits of strength training for endurance athletes. Um, but we'll run through some of the key pointers. I mean, the the top three reasons behind them uh, or behind strength training is injury resistance. And then there's a performance benefit. Um, and then lastly, uh, my favorite is the anti-aging benefit. Um, so let's talk about that. Like on the injury resistance side of things, um, what, what are you thinking there? Yeah. Well, two parts to that. Yeah. You can reduce your risk of hurting yourself with an acute injury and then there's the chronic injury. So let's start with acute injuries. Okay. So an acute injury is like a a fall, like a crash. And I've never fallen on a mountain bike, but I've heard people do. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you were known or you were known yeah I'm not... well, you started mountain biking as an adult like in your 30s right and... i love your delayed laugh like oh wait, wait i just heard what you said <laughs> and yeah i think i was 35 hard. yeah and honestly you didn't give me much of the basics i should have started with some sort of <laughs> clinic i blame you for all my bruises we just, we just clipped you in and you pushed cli- you out exactly clip <laughs> <laughs> yes you clipped me in and pushed me down the hill right so you, um, you've had your share of falls um, I, I certainly did. And at the time, I was not doing much strength training. Right. I, in fact, I was fairly weak. Right. I'm a skinny person. I don't have a, like a lot of m- a muscle bulk. And I certainly wasn't just strong. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first learned to mountain bike, I was maybe mm, eight months out of back surgery, which I'll talk about if it, with the chronic stuff. But... I certainly wasn't strong before the back surgery. And then after you have a surgery, there's more rehab that should have been done that that didn't get done. So my goodness, if I could redo one thing besides going to some sort of skills clinic, it would be that I were stronger 
as a human body before right. I tried to tackle cycling, specifically mountain biking, mm-hmm. which does require more strength, like pushing and pulling and getting over rocks and navigating yeah, it's very twisty turns, right? right? So I, I think that some of the falls I had might have been prevented had I been stronger. Some of the um, injuries I had from falling might not have been so so painful. I think specifically about one time we were at, at our local trails in Bear Creek Lake Park. We were flat, we came down Mount Carbon, crossed over that golf path, and then I don't know what happened. We were on the single track. I flew off my bike. My arm went out to the side, and I landed on my armpit kind of like it. Superman, and I just really hurt my shoulder because I didn't have much strength around the shoulder girdle itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's there's no guarantee you won't hurt yourself if you're strength training. I don't mean to say that, but I do believe that the stronger you are, the less risk you'll have for something major. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the strength training in a nutshell builds muscular strength around joints. Mm-hmm. So when you do go down. <clears throat> pardon me, you know, there's that opportunity to hyperextend or just take a joint through a range of motion that it's not designed to do, and that leads to an injury. But if you're stronger, you have muscles there to mm-hmm. support it, you will limit that extreme, you know, potential damage. So um, that acute injury resistance is definitely key. Um, and then you mentioned the chronic side of things. So chronic injury resistance would relate more to more like a like back pain or neck pain or something that like an overuse injury is that yeah, well, I think thinking? of it as two uh, probably some subcategories there are okay. these two different categories chronic in terms of I believe that each human being is naturally predisposed to some sort of imbalance maybe you're born with a condition for example I was born with spondylolisthesis which mm-hmm. is a weakness in your vertebrae and it basically breaks at some point, which it did when I was a kid. When I was 14, I started having like lots and lots and lots of problems. My back would, quote, go out during basketball games and I'd be laid out. Um, So you may have something that, you know, sadly you were born with, scoliosis, spondylolisthesis. I can't think of anything off off the top of my head, but there's a lot of them. Or you just are predisposed to something because how you're created, like, I think about our twins, Sophia and Noel. They're really, really, really tight in their in their hamstring. Uh, yeah, the hamstrings and calves. So Noel, who's in cross country right now, she's having some shin splints and some hip pain from being so tight, and that's something to work on through mobility work and strength work mm-hmm. and PT work. Um, yeah, so we all have kind of a predispos- predisposition, in my opinion, for some sort of imbalance. So strength training will help address those imbalances, start, start strengthening the muscles that really need to be firing and, and activated. Right. And then you can have overuse injuries that really can happen from lots of hours on the bike or lots of hours running if, if you're a runner. Yeah. Um, my IT band, band injury last summer, I do believe, was related to not just overuse on the bike, but then tied into a weakness of my hamstring. So when I was riding so many hours on the bike, my hamstrings weren't firing properly. Mm-hmm. And then like my quad was taking over, my hip flexor was taking over, and it started pulling on that IT band and irritating it, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It kind of went down that road of disaster. Yeah, and that that's extremely common occurrence. When somebody takes up cycling, the more you ride – most riders tend to be more quad dominant mm-hmm. is kind of the, the, the catch-all phrase, meaning they 
are a little bit more forward and they're relying on their quads to pedal a bike where right. their then their glutes and their hamstrings get neglected. Mm-hmm. Those are big movers and contributors. Well, they should be big movers and contributors. Yeah, right. to pu- pushing on, you know, pushing you down the road and you know, if you are relying too much on your quads and those get weakened or they just sort of like quote unquote shut off and not mm-hmm. fire. Um, so the strength training really gets all of those muscles, you know, the, the keyword is activated or the buzzword and engaged. And then you're going to use them more in your pedaling stroke and, um, prevent some overuse injuries potentially from occurring. So and then what would you say for yourself? You've had a fairly clean bill of health for injuries, but you did have a back injury about what, five years ago. And then, yeah. so maybe share how you feel like strength training helps you stay sturdy and durable or how you recovered from your back problem with some yeah. strength training. I mean, for me, strength training is essential to keeping me healthy, um, my back particularly. So I had a herniated disc pretty severely. I think it was 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. And, um, took a while to kind of get remedied and figured out. And then that's what really spurred. I was doing strength training prior to that, but not a huge amount and not maybe as well as we have it kind of figured out now. Where I think like the strength training that we prescribe now not only builds you up for strength um, and quote unquote performance, but it's also very PT, physical therapy-like in terms of keeping the muscles activated and range of motion and all these sorts of things to offset injuries and imbalances. And that I found just to be a massive key of keeping mm-hmm. my back super happy. I mean, all through my thirties, and this is very common with many cyclists is I'd get that like low back pain from riding my bike a lot. And it was usually during high intensity, like the racing season when you're really putting out the Watts and you're, you know, you're kind of bent over and chewing on the handlebar and pushing hard, going up steep climbs and, and it creates a lot of inflammation in your back. Um, and the strength training over the last many years has really alleviated that to the point where I basically have no back pain. Um, and I have a feeling there's a lot of people out there listening that if they hear that, like, oh, I have a, a sore back when I ride hard or after races or after long rides or whatever. And to, the idea of, like, not having back pain probably sounds pretty good. So, um it's key for me. And I know if I go a, piece, a few periods, you know, or a few weeks without doing any strength training, I'll start to get little hints of like my mm-hmm. back's kind of yeah, like not totally happy. Right. But if I go in in one strength session, very much kind of physical therapy, like straightens, like activates all those muscles up in a way it's like quote straightening everything up mm-hmm. you know in my back and alignment and glutes and everything and and I'm fine and then I can go so that's why it's super key in my opinion to keep the strength training year round um of course it needs to ebb and flow with your training cycle on the bike and when you're racing and not racing and things like that but keeping that strength training or maybe a better term is movement training going year round is super key so Going into the off season, that's the time I like to kind of load up more um, and do a little bit more of the resistance side of the strength training to to build some strength and mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. So I find it super key. And and many of the athletes we've coached over the last five years have come back to us and say like, yeah, my my back pain is gone, or my neck pain, or whatever it is that's bothering them that you know maybe niggles in their knees or whatever, it disappears because. 
they just become all around a stronger human and more injury resistant. So I've had the same experience myself. Um, I think years ago before I knew what I was doing with strength training, if I had some sort of ache or pain, specifically my back, I probably, probably would have thought to myself, oh, I better not do anything today. I better not go to the gym. I better not do my strength work. Because... Yeah, just like I should rest or maybe stretch or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm so glad you said that because I would always go to, as the first line of defense, some sort of stretching motion. Right. And uh, our good friend, Dr. Rick Zimmerman, who specializes in back situations, he kind of yelled at me one time, well, not yelled, but lectured me firmly with love and said, stop stretching so much, Kathy. You're, you're too flexible and not strong enough. Right. And I was a little bit pissed when he said that, <laughs> but he was 100% true, accurate. Yeah. I was not strong enough and I just kept stretching and stretching and making my joints even more hypermobile. So I do feel like we've both learned a lot from our own injuries. And that is why our, our strength program does have a lot of like therapeutic PT-like exercises, but by no means are we physical therapists. I talk often on the show about my love for the physical therapists at Cascade Sports and PT in Lakewood. So if anyone is local and they do need help, like another plug for them, I cannot like give them enough praise. Yeah, they're great over there for sure. And they help support our We Devo team over the years. Yeah, they so. do. And I think everyone in our family has seen them. Yeah. Noelle was just over there seeing Lara for her, her problems from running. Yeah, very good. Well, let's move on to benefit number two, yep. which is performance. The, the performance-oriented. Like, how, how does it actually make us faster um, on the bike? And we won't go too deep into this, but essentially um, strength training just really improves the overall muscle recruitment. Mm -hmm. So it's a different activity than pedaling the bike. So that right there is going to help. So any kind of cross training, um, but also just the way the strength training or movement training works and it activates muscle. So very much like it helps resist injuries, you know, create some injury prevention there. It also recruits more muscles for pushing and pulling on the, on the pedals. So, the more, it's not that the strength training we're going to do is going to create more muscles or bigger muscles per se. We're not going to get, you know, beefier or heavier or more muscular following a program like we've developed. What we're going to do is get more of the muscles that we already have activated and engaged in the movement patterns. So when we're out pedaling our bikes, it's like we have a bigger pool of muscle fibers to draw from. That's a great way to put it. Um, so... That way when, I mean, you can picture it pretty easily there. Like if you're going to go hard and do some intervals or you're going to go do a longer ride, you know, as those muscle fibers wear down, whether it's from duration or intensity, you're going to have a bigger pool to draw from. There's, you're going to have like backup, you know, reinforcements, mm -hmm. more soldiers, so to speak. A bigger to, Peloton. Yeah. To, 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 to lend a hand and, and get activated in there or get working in there. So, um, that's going to improve our ability to not necessarily produce more power, but perhaps more power for longer duration, um, improve the muscular endurance aspect of it, which is key because, you know, cycling is an endurance sport. Um, right. So, this isn't really the type of program like a track sprinter, a bike right. track sprinter would do. And to create trying, like true strength and power. Yeah. yeah. Like huge quads. Like that's not the focus. It's, it is more about a muscular endurance um, and just like a good baseline of strength right exactly um and then another little piece too and this is to less a smaller degree but it, you know to create power on the bike 
is force times velocity, where force is how hard you're essentially pushing on the pedals. Velocity mm -hmm. is how quickly you're doing that. So that's cadence. Those two things together create power. So the force production side is does come from, in some fashion, from you know how much weight can you lift or push or pull. Um, so it is a great starting point in the power curve, so to speak, of where does that where does your power come from on the bike? It, well, it starts with your peak movement strength. At the, that's like the very tippy top. And then it comes down and gets into more of that muscular endurance of, you know, your sprint power on the bike, your one minute power, et cetera, you know, all the way out to your infinite duration. So the more force you can produce in the gym is going to carry over and give you at least a little bit more force ability on the bike. And, you know, it is very, very minor because when we're out pedaling our bike you know we're pushing the levels that we're pushing on the pedals is so small compared to doing like a back squat in the gym with weights but they're still connected you know everything's on a spectrum and you know if we can boost up the the top end of that spectrum it's going to affect the middle points and, and even the far out lower ends of the spectrum too the trickle down effect the trickle down effect exactly um, so there is some performance gains as well. And then the last one, um, can I, can I interrupt yeah, you? absolutely. One thing, um, also to keep in mind that pushing and pulling strength that we're going to develop does have a performance aspect specifically for mountain biking. I mean, True. I, I've seen that very clearly with my own development as a mountain biker where okay, this one trail comes to mind over down in Indian Creek down south in Denver. Like I used to not be able to get up and over this, these rocks that were on a climb because I not only didn't have any skill, but I also didn't have the strength and the power in my shoulders yeah. to, to lift the bike up and over stuff. So that's really important. And I've seen a, a big improvement in my uh, technical ascending from becoming stronger. Yeah, you'll have greater control of your bike. And that's, like you said, more aware, more obvious on the mountain bike for mm -hmm. sure compared to the road bike. But um, but even on the road bike, you're going to have more control on the bike. Um if you're able to be a little bit stronger in the upper body as well. For sure. Um, yeah, and then lastly, my, my one of my personal favorites, I'm on this anti-aging kick. My 42nd <laughs> birthday's coming up and been reading a lot of stuff on this. And we've talked about this before, but strength training is proven to be anti-aging in the, in the sense that you're going to hold on to the muscles you already have for longer time. So as we get older, as humans, as mammals, as cellular organisms we lose strength as we get older but if you are strength training a couple times a week you will maintain the strength that you already have and it's not going to disappear as rapidly so um it's super key to if you want to just be a healthier person not just a better bike rider mm -hmm. as you get older um but it definitely contributes to the the cycling side of it and the well. side benefit of the improved bone density Yes, especially related for females. Um, we definitely need to be doing some sort of weightlifting, you know, pounding on the pavement literally to, to get the bone density um, to not decline. Yeah, that's a, actually a very good point because cycling is, is known for, it's not weight bearing. So mm -hmm. we're known for having brittle bones um, and that becomes more so as we get older. So strength training, lifting weights is weight bearing and it Exactly. It, it strengthens your bone density. I mean, we've seen that with like the world tour riders. I remember like Vincenzo Nibali tipped over basically. He was on a climb no. going like 
I don't know, 10 miles an hour and a fan got in the way and he like basically tipped over. This was a very low speed crash and he broke his, a bone in his back, like broke his back. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, no. cyclists are just known that, you know, that we have low bone density. So, right. So this is a great way to combat that. Yeah. So that's another strong benefit, kind of anti-aging um, related as well. So, um, but I think that's good. If you want to learn more or hear more about why we strength train, give a listen to episodes number two and number three. We dig into that a little bit. Two or, and sorry, five. two and five. Yeah, sorry. Um, about that, and um, I think that'll kind of that hits all. We've just hit all the really key points. The key points. I did have a side note that yeah. that almost could fit into all three of these categories, but mm-hmm. it's female specific. Okay. And since you haven't birthed babies, this one did not, not. You haven't? No. Okay, I have. And so this one didn't maybe cross your mind, and I meant to write it on the sheet, and I forgot. But anyone who has birthed the baby, their body has had to go through a huge amount of work, a lot of changes, and things have shifted and moved. Their hips have shifted. Their ligaments have stretched. And if they want to get back into a regular cycling program, there should be some very concentrated strength and core work that would be um, important prehab to do prior to like really getting at it again on the bike. Sure. And especially running. Uh, running is even worse um, for postpartum moms that they can really um, cause some damage themselves. So speaking from personal experience, I sure wish that back when I had babies, I had known what I know now. I would have gone to a pelvic floor therapist that is becoming more mainstream. So Seek out a pelvic floor therapist if you had a baby if within the last couple of years or even longer. They they can still help you. And then I would strongly encourage just starting with like some basic Pilates and doing like online videos or going to your rec center. And then you could definitely get into this program as well. Like we we really focus on that core strength, which is everything from your hips up to your shoulders. And it, it's good stuff for moms who just had babies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our program revolves heavily around core strength. But yeah, if you're postpartum, getting a, a different view from somebody else might be important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right, let's go on to more of the specifics because this is the, the, the meat of it. Okay. Um, yeah, so like we mentioned already before, we're, we've got two variations this year. Um, I mean, historically, we've had – so we've had our base builder program. This is our 16th year. So over the last – well, the last – five or so years we've had the gym session six and we had people coming in and training with you with us in Mm -hmm. person um, that lived in Denver um, and used some classic barbell movements and we incorporated those into our do it on your own remote base builder in the past Um, and this year we're going to add the at-home variant so the classic barbell programming will still be an option. So we're going to have these two options. So if you are to join us for the base builder program this year, you could kind of choose, do you you have barbell equipment at home or at the office? Or do you have a rec center you can access? um, Or do you not? And are you limited? Um, So that'll help you kind of decide what you're going to, which of the two programmings you're going to go through. Um, but when someone signs up for it, they have access to both. Yes. They don't have to like let us know. Oh, no, no. There, there's access to both. And if you're really creative, you could kind of blend the two, I guess, if you want, you know, depending on what equipment you may or may not have. So mm-hmm. um, there's that. And, and we'd be available to steer them in the direction of how to do that. Um, both of the programming formats um, 
complement the three phases of the overall base builder progressions in terms of on the bike. So the three progressions are um, the first eight weeks focus on aerobic strength building, and this is on the bike. Um, aerobic, the, the second block, eight weeks, is aerobic threshold, and then the, the last eight-week segment is focusing more on the high-intensity intervals or um, anaerobic threshold development. The strength training of both programming will complement those progressions. That's kind of the key that I'm trying to get out here. So, um, so it's well thought out. It's, you know, when the intensity on the bike goes up, the intensity in the gym or the, the resistance training goes down and, and so forth. Um, both programming variants also in, include the formatting of incorporating our movement prep, um, mm -hmm. core strength movements, that we use as, as like the warm-ups, the pushing and pulling elements, um, agility movements for speed and quickness, and then also the focus of the knee extension and the hip hinge um, as like the focal strength movements. So in the barbell programming, that focuses on the back squat and the deadlift. In the at-home variant, there'll be some squatting, there'll be some lunging and some other variants that we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, but they're very similar patterning. Um, and we found this to be extremely effective with the athletes we've worked with, with ourselves, but also the athletes we've worked with over the last um, five, six years um, doing the strength training. Um, <clears throat> so how will the the up the classic barbell programming work? Will okay. they still have the spreadsheet that has been used in the past? Yes, so we have our spreadsheet, spreadsheet. So any of you returning and doing this again, joining us for another season, or familiar with the spreadsheet, it is in a, an updated um, version of the spreadsheet um, to fit the, the training blocks that we'll be in. There's three phases that go along with the three phases on the bike. So the first strength phase is um, essentially adaptation and like base training using the strength equipment. The second phase is more of a strength build, really building up, getting into like lower reps and higher weights progressively as you go and really focusing on strength. And then the last one goes lighter weight and focuses more on stability movements and a little bit of speed to the movement mm -hmm. as well. And some unilateral movements too, like a single leg exactly. squat or deadlift, right? Exactly. Um, so each phase is eight weeks long. There's two sessions per week. Um, the base phase where we start things off, we're going to use kind of a modified five by five progression in the, in the back squat and the deadlift. So the five by five, you can look that up on Google, that, um, five by five strength training protocol. It's a pretty classic, um, strength building protocol. We're going to modify it slightly just so it fits our eight week programming. But it, what I like about five by five is it starts out extremely lightweight where you can really focus on your form and you're not going to get excessively sore, and then it's going to progressively increase the loading over the weeks, over the eight weeks, and then we'll ultimately land on a comfortable one rep max by the end of those eight weeks. Yeah, can you explain the comfortable one rep max just a little bit more? Yeah, so one rep max is a term in weightlifting that's similar to like FTP on the bike, meaning it's, the, it's a number that weightlifters will use to take a percentage of to figure out their rep scheme. So mm -hmm. just like we have our FTP and many training plans use a percentage of FTP to prescribe their, the intervals that you're going to be doing, same kind of concept. So a comfortable rep, one rep max is what 
we like to encourage people to do where it's we're not trying to eke out every last pound Please don't. out of our out of our back squat or our deadlift because there's the risk to reward ratio is way out of balance there. So a comfortable rep, one rep max is something that you when you step up to the bar if you're going to do a back squat you are confident that you can do this one rep and you're not sweating on your armpits that you may hurt yourself right so you know you can step up to this thing it's going to be heavy it's going to be challenging but you know that you can do it Mm -hmm. It, it, you know you're not overly straining and potentially you know pulling something or hurting yourself um because if you know you could do that and squeeze out a couple extra pounds maybe out of your max rep but when you go back and you're working off of percentages in the second block where we're doing like the, the strength focus building, the differences in the weight loading you're going to do is so minimal. It's like why we're not building up for a competition of lifting weights here. So, um, And we're not trying to send more business to Dr. Zimmerman. Right. <laughs> so like don't herniate a disc doing this, please. Exactly. So um, so that's the reason why I really like the 5x5 five five progression. I've done it a number of years now, mm-hmm. and it, it works out great. So you start very, very light. Somewhere around you know twenty five to thirty percent of maybe last year's one rep max, if you know what that is. If you don't know, if you're kind of newer to this starting out, it's just a very light, comfortable load. And then each session over the eight weeks, you're going to add a little bit more, maybe five to ten pounds to the bar as you build up and you do five sets of five reps. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, it's very time efficient, and you build up. And then that last week, the eighth week, is when you get to kind of continue to add some weight. And just do like one rep at a time until you find that comfortable one rep max of what we're calling our, um, we'll, we'll base the percentages off in the next build. Um, so then the second phase, the strength build phase, also again, eight weeks, it's going to build up. Now we're going to start getting more specific rep schemes and it'll be a percentage of that comfortable one rep max you've identified. And it's going to start out at, you know, very moderate percentages like 40 to 70 percent at you know maybe you're gonna be doing 10 to you know 10 8 10 to 8 reps maybe per set and then as the weeks go by you're gonna start doing fewer reps per set and greater percentages of your one rep max so getting heavier essentially as you go um and and this is i i enjoy this period of the year um just kind of building up those lifting heavier weights and, you know, doing sets of like two or three heavier weights. And, you know, it makes your body begin to feel really strong and healthy and and better able, better prepared for um, some of the harder work that comes on the bike that follows that. So, um, and then the last eight-week block uh, lowers the weight significantly. And then, like you mentioned earlier, focuses on some unilateral, like single-leg squatting or single leg deadlifting or um, some quick movements at low weights um, and kind of plyometric like activities movements yeah the focus on like body control and body awareness and And ability to move multi-directions in a quick fashion right right because at this point now we're working pretty hard on the bike so the strength training becomes much more manageable and you know way more dynamic and um, more like riding a bike in terms of adding in unstable movements and balance and control, like you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think the three by eight week format keeps it fresh and interesting and, you know, you're learning new stuff each section. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'll really, the, it'll keep us engaged and, and rolling through it. So, and then lastly, all the, um, 
training sessions incorporate the mobility, not mobility, uh, Movement movement prep to kind of get our bodies warmed up. Um, some pretty intensive core sets, core strength is a big piece of it. Pushing and pulling, um, is also really part of core as well, but, um, getting the push and pull sets in there, it's all part of warming up. And then you culminate with the, the, um, back squat and deadlift as the strength movements. And you'll end each session with some mobility and recovery movements. Exactly. And like I said, we have our updated spreadsheet. Um, we also have our YouTube channel with the videos of all the movements. Mm-hmm. Um, the, nothing is really out of the ordinary here. So once you look through the list of movements, um, you'll anyone will be able to learn these pretty quickly and easily. And then, you know, it becomes very efficient doing these training sessions on your own at the gym it might take, I don't know, 45 to maybe 60 minutes if you're taking extra rest during the heavier lifting segments, but um, becomes very efficient and and a great cycling-specific program. Our plan is to have a weekly Zoom call with the group participants Mm -hmm. so that any questions they may have about the week will be answered by us. Yes. Um, either with the classic version or or this at-home version. So that's something that will not only help you answer your questions, but hopefully create a sense of community since we can't meet as a group during this time. Exactly. And also lastly too, it's like, and this is true for both programming segments is if there's some movement that you, you just can't do because of a body limitation or something, mm-hmm. you know, it irritates your knee or whatever, you can definitely ask us how to modify that movement and we'll point you in the right direction or we'll give you a completely different exercise to do that um, so you aren't irritating something. For sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, cool. So that's the the classic barbell programming. If you have barbell access, if you don't have that, we'll talk about the new at-home programming. You've been working hard on this for the last several weeks. Um, we have a lot of new th- exciting things like a app that you're going to incorporate into that. Um, and then the progressions of yeah. using little to, um, you know, body weight or very little. Yeah. Weight. Let me, let me take over. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really excited about it. I'm very grateful to my friend Katie who introduced us to a, an app that, that is out there. It's called train heroic T R A I N train heroic. I believe it's created by the same, um, software programmers that created training peaks. And that's the web platform we use for our cycling training. And they've done a great job with this phone app. Uh, It's actually a computer app, too, but I'm imagining people being in their garage or in their basement with the phone. Mm -hmm. I'm programming it instead of three eight-week blocks. I'm I'm programming six one-month blocks, so six four-week blocks. Okay. The the first three weeks of each block will be a little bit more um, intense. That fourth week is lining up with a recovery week on the bike or an easier week on the bike. And so it'll be a little easier. There's still going to be a session. There's still going to be core, but probably probably just a little bit more focus on the mobility and the stretching at the end of the okay, session. Okay, that makes sense. Which would be great because I, I think all of us do not do enough of that. We get too busy and that tends to go to the wayside. All right, so let's talk about what you need. Very minimal equipment is needed. We will put this in the show notes. I'm sure we'll send out a couple more emails about this as well. But... Get your pen and paper out, and I'll just list what you need real quickly. 
All right, you need some resistance bands. There are different shapes and sizes of resist resistance bands. So picture like the sh smaller, shorter loops that I think are about like 10 to 12 inches and they go around your ankles for like monster walks and things like that. Most people have done that movement. You're gonna need two of those bands, those loops, okay. those small loops. I just made up a word, small, small loops. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm encouraging you to get a lighter one and a heavier one. The lighter one will actually be used more for shoulder work. So we'll be putting that band around wrists and doing different shoulder movements. The heavier one will will use for the hip movements, for things like monster walk, clamshell, um, banded skaters, cowboy walks, things like that. And I will teach you how to do all of those things. You will also need a longer resistance band, something like a, um, well, you can think of like a, a pulley system, but we're going to, we're not using a machine. So we just need some sort of band that you will attach to a, a pole or a, a door jam. A door jam. Um, the, these come in different resistances and strengths. And I've had some questions about like, what do I need? Like when I've looked online, they have such a wide range of like pounds that they're they're categorizing these it'll say like five to 25 pounds for this certain red sort one random, I'm like that's yeah. a little bit random <laughs> so do not get the heaviest ones that you that are usually called like pull-up assistant bands those are like ridiculous it's actually better to have a lighter weight one than a heavier one but just something that's probably around like 15 to 20 pounds of resistance okay you can buy all of these kinds of bands on amazon um, powersystems.com. Sometimes you can find them at your local sporting goods store, mm -hmm. your local shop like Played Against Sports. That's that, yeah, those come to mind. Yeah. Okay, so three bands two short ones, one long one. A stability ball. These are also called physio balls. The, that's the inflatable core ball that's 45 to 75 centimeters. My personal preference for my height at 5'6 and your height at 5'9 is that 55 centimeter ball. Mm -hmm. If you're taller, you might want that 65 centimeter ball. But bigger is not better in my opinion when it comes to these balls. It can be a little awkward if you're trying to do some movements with yeah, a giant ball. I agree. You can buy those at a Played Against Sports, Amazon. Um, strangely, you can find them at like TJ Maxx, Ross, and Marshalls, like okay. in their little exercise section. So um, super important. If but nothing else, you can get in the next couple of weeks. Get the bands and get the stability ball. Okay. Because I'm gonna program the first couple weeks to be very like no equipment or minimal equipment. Got okay? it. Okay. Some type of weights is needed, but you can be creative, especially if you can't find anything right now. You can use a backpack filled with books. You can use a duffel bag filled with stuff. You could get um, go to Home Depot, get a sandbag, and put it inside of a backpack or a duffel bag. We'll use the weights for things like a squat or a deadlift. With the focus not being that we're going to go super heavy, like as you might do in the barbell programming, at least in, in the second round of or the second um, phase, but we're going to just be moving our body in different ways that are squat-like and deadlift-like. Right. Um, kettlebells and dumbbells are the easiest ways to do these movements, but you know, what, what do you need specifically? Uh, something light, something heavy. Well, what does that mean? Well, okay. It depends on what you can get your hands on. Maybe a set of 10 pound or 15 pound dumbbells would be the lighter weight or a 20 pound kettlebell. Mm -hmm. In my mind, that's sort of like a light and then something heavier. And this is of course person specific might be a set of 20 to 30 pound dumbbells or a 30 to 45 pound kettlebell. Right. If you have questions specifically, you can email me. It's, it's really hard to know. It's like, if yeah. you're really new to this, you're going to go lighter. If you're 
more advanced, then you're going to go heavier. Yeah, I think a good say. tip um, as far as figuring out what weights to go with is the the more like lighter, moderate weight should be something you could just have on the ground and pick it up without really having to like think about it. Mm-hmm. And then your heavier weight option should be the one where you have to like look at it and basically like engage your muscles right, before right, you okay. pick it up, right, to, to stabilize everything. So it should be the one that you have to like think about picking up. Okay. Um, I think is a good way to... I appreciate to, you saying that. I might be making it too complicated. I, I'm. It's just a little tricky because you, you might find like one set of dumbbells that like played against sports, and then maybe your 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 friend has a kettlebell you can use. Yeah, that's completely fine. Just mix it up. Try to have something. If you can't find any, anything right now, grab a backpack and throw some stuff in Perfect. it from your house. Okay. All right. Moving on. You're going to use this app. It's going to be very easy to use. You're going to open it up. Click on the session. It's going to tell you exactly what to do. Each movement will have a video on it even the warm-up even the cool down they're going to be pretty short videos except for like the movement um prep at the beginning but for example if it says monster walk and you're you're like i don't know what monster walk is you're going to see a cute little video with with cody or kathy and it's going to be like 10 to 20 seconds long which is also very like handy when you don't want to have to watch a really long video just click on it remind yourself of proper it's a reminder. form yeah yeah and the, i will also have some um, written cues as well for these movements Great. I believe in this app, people can actually upload videos um, and and ask me to look at things. So oh, look that at their form. I am I am figuring out the features of this app, but I'm pretty sure it's it's created in such a way to create community and to create interaction between the coach and the participant. Exactly, I believe you are correct. So stay tuned or start messing around with that app yourself. When you enroll in the program, I will then send you an email to invite you to be a part of the app and, and invite you to be a part of that program. And you'll just follow the, the, the prompts to link yourself into what we're doing. Right. And let me interject too. I think one of the things that, that's great about our Base Builder program is mm-hmm. the fact that it is a program, not just simply a training plan that you are on your own to follow, that you actually have you know, you and me as your coach, um, helping you along the way. So this app is going to be great because people will be able to send, you know, if they have questions about their form of, uh, you know, doing a squat or whatever, they can take a video, send it to you through that app and you can give them some corrections or, or whatever need be. Yeah. Don't hesitate to send me questions or send me videos to watch. I'm really happy to do it because that was my favorite part about being in the group setting where we could. was helping people. yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and I think in a previous episode, I believe it was 45, when we were introducing the, the Base Builder program for this year, we mentioned that we would do a live session every week on Zoom. You and I have decided that we're not going to do that for multiple reasons, mostly because I can't watch people very well. Through yeah, the, the logistics the, didn't really It didn't make, make sense. sense. But hopefully through this app, people will still feel comfortable that they're getting coaching and I'm going to help them and we can interact with each other. Exactly. Exactly. Well, can do you do you want to go through Yeah, just really quickly some of because the movements, what they can kind of ex- Yeah, some expect. things you can expect would be um goblet squats where you'd hold a weight and squat. Um Romanian deadlifts with a weight where you would be hip hinging. That's a a, a really cool way to do a deadlift at home with lighter weights. Agility movements such as high knees, butt kicks, ankle springs, one-legged hops, squat jumps, tuck jumps. I mean, the, the list goes on with what we're going to throw in A lot in there. of variations and, and such. And then we're going to move into variations of a, a knee extension and a hip hinge that are more focused on single leg or split stance movements. A mm-hmm. uh, split squat, a single leg RDL, an in-place forward lunge, a kettlebell swing, 
a lateral lunge. Right. Um, What's great about these movements is because they are unilateral, like single leg mm -hmm. focus, they don't require a lot of weight. So you don't have to have this, you know, gym filled of equipment to do this. And also it's programmed in such a manner that it's going to ease you into movements, you know, starting out with just a basic squat in the first month and then moving on into like a a more advanced split squat. And then the third month is going to be more uh, a forward lunge and things like that. So it progresses each month, taking you through from basic movements to much more advanced movements by the end. Right. Yeah. We're going to culminate in March with a jumping lunge series, which will be incredibly effective for building functional strength on the bike Right. or running if you are also a runner. Now, if you hear the word lunge and you panic a little bit because historically lunges have caused you knee pain, I will give you other options. First of all, you could always stick with like a basic goblet squat, a weighted squat, or I will give you options and suggestions through our weekly Zoom calls and through videos and through help that you can do things like um, step ups onto a step or a box. Um, Right. A Bulgarian split squat, things like that. So there will be help for people who are worried about certain movements. Great. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Me this too. at-home variant. I I'm think, super excited about it. I think a lot of people are going to probably go that way just for the convenience factor, if nothing else, because you don't have to go to a gym. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a few pieces of equipment in the corner of your garage or your basement and you know put the kids in bed and then head over and, and do your strength workout. And yeah. once you... There'll be a little learning curve, I think, in the, initially. But once you get it all figured out, probably 40-ish minutes to get a workout in. And yeah, I think so, Highly sure. effective and time efficient. So um, well done on that. I'm, I'm excited. Well, to... thank you. I mean, you've helped me process all the different sequences and progressions. So I'm grateful for that. And, I mean, huge thanks to Katie for even telling me about this app because uh, it, it really did make, it was a game changer. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, well, good. I mean, hopefully this discussion has allowed – you, the listener, to think about, first and foremost, think about adding strength training to your annual cycling training program Mm -hmm. and not just doing it for a couple of months in the fall or whatever. Do it all year long and have a very progressive, systematic, thoughtful program. Um, There's many out there. Of course, we think ours is among the best. So um, we would love for you to join our program and, and do this training along with us. So like we mentioned before, this is not just a simple training plan, but it's a it's a training program with Kathy and myself as your coaches during this six-month period. So um, I think it's going to be really, really good. And next week, we're going to talk more specifically about the cycling progressions and how we're going to utilize you know, the indoor trainers, um, if you want, how you can do your workouts outside, um, and what those progressions are going to look like over the course of building a base over six months. So, um, definitely join us again next week for that. And, um, and then one last thing on the base builder program, it does officially begin, like we're going to begin October 5th. Um, but you don't necessarily have to begin until you're ready to begin. So I do know a number of people are going to be doing cyclocross coming up. Um, it sounds like some races are going to happen, at least here in the Colorado region. And in that case, if cyclocross is kind of like this fun end of season activity, you can do the base builder program and just throw in the cross races as your midweek or weekend you know, riding. Um, if cyclocross is something you're like focused on and it's like your main race season, then you might want to wait and get through that, do your cyclocross specific block through that, and then start up the base builder program 
in November or December, whenever you're done with cyclocross, and start there and, and go through the progressions that way. The strength program is not going to derail somebody's cross season. I will just throw that That's out That's a there. great point, yeah. And, unless you're like thinking you're going to go to Worlds and you just don't want to change anything up, um, you should be able to jump right in with us the beginning of, of the, the program, October 5th. I would say it's going to enhance. Well, I do too, training. but I know some people are, are a little bit nervous about being too sore, but my goal is that you will not be too sore. I mean, you exactly. you, you literally could just do the core work, at least, and learn those movements mm-hmm. and, and then hold off on some of the other things. But I would say do all of it and just always err on the side of like too too little is better. Right. Because it is shocking how like if you haven't been doing something, you can be sore. Yeah. So I will be always encouraging people to be conservative. Yeah, that's a great tip. So you can join this program basically whenever you're ready, but we hope many of you join kind of quote unquote live with us October right. 5th. Um, so we're kind of doing the same, all doing it together each week. And then we do have our weekly um, team call where we'll just get on a on a Zoom call if you're interested and we'll talk about the, the weekly training, a lot more details than what we share on the podcast and then also have that ability to answer your questions live right then. Um, and of course, you can listen recorded as well. So um, so go check out our website, weightendurance.com, the Base Builder Program. It's under our training program drop-down menu or it's also kind of a, the header of our homepage there on our website and I'll also put a link in the in the show notes. And you can get signed up right away for that and um, kind of get your equipment together over the next couple of weeks here. And so you're ready to go. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I love base training season. I do too. So, um, well, good. I think that kind of covers it for this week. Did yeah. you have anything else? Oh, no. Just the reminder always that we'd appreciate any kind of rating or re- review in the iTunes platform or Google Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and join us again next week. And we'll talk more about our specific cycling progressions. All right. Take care, everybody. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the Weight Endurance Training Community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.